Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie and my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Alistair and my pronouns are also he and him. And we have a guest uh, joining us uh, from the, the busy schedule of recording and editing and everything else for Com Radio is Jordan. Hello, I'm Jordan and my pronouns are he and him. Now... You have a lot of he and hims and a they and them, and you invited yes. another he and him on instead of Chloe onto your podcast. Now, what do you have against women? <laughs> I'm glad someone's finally asking this question, Jordan. Just don't like them. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, the thing is, like, I would have invited Chloe on, but sometimes I'm going to say mean things about the Labour Party, and I feel like that kind of puts Chloe at a disadvantage. I don't want, to, I don't want to like just be like, "Would you like to comment, Chloe? Would you like to comment on Keir Starmer just now?" <laughs> so, yeah. whereas I'm still a member, and we'll just agree with you. Yes, yeah, that's like, it. Yeah, you have no scruples in that department whatsoever, which is great. Yeah, the the, the difference is that, like, Jordan, you're still a member of the Labour Party and you're capable of going, yeah, no, he absolutely sucks. Whereas when it comes to Chloe, David thinks because she's a woman, she can't stand up for herself, right, David? Are <laughs> <laughs> well, we just going in on David at the start of this episode that I wasn't yeah, aware about is, for some reason? This is good. Yeah, I hope this like, equates to some, like, we'll get, get it all out of systems just now, and then the rest of the episode will just go nice and smoothly and I won't have any more bother. We're just all mad at you because our other dad's away, and so we're stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the, is, yeah. is the Tell whipping boy what. order Rob then David? Because that feels like a really just, confusing way around to world, have it. We'd all be up, we'd all be up a fucking mountain yeah, with Rob. If, yeah, if your other dad loved you that much, he would have took you to the mountains with him, but he didn't. <laughs> no skiing trip for us. Exactly. Okay, so let's. Oh, is that um, what he's doing? Is he? Yes, yeah. he's skiing. He's skiing oh. uphill. That is not a I'd... joke. <laughs> I thought he was just up there looking for yetis or some shit like. <laughs> no, it's Whatever Rob. Whatever it is, Dutch people do up a mountain, you know what I mean? No, Find no. something the fuck, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's Switzerland, so he might be hiding some gold up there, but apart from that, we really don't know. Oh, there we go. See, the natural order's restored. Rob's being attacked. Excellent. Hi, Rob. <laughs> okay, we so... We miss you. Um, let's, let's just fucking kick off, will we? Let's, um, let's uh, talk about something, you know, fairly serious. Uh... So the pandemic's over. Oh, good. Did we all? Did we all know this? Did we, are we all like living outside yeah. again and shit? Yeah, pandemic's done. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So since the start, well of the done, pandemic, everybody. We did it. Yep. I know. Yeah, I, I can't. Fun. I can't speak for you guys, but I've been on like a nine-day public orgy with everyone else in Scotland. Now the pandemic's <laughs> over. It's been absolutely great. What? You didn't invite David. <laughs> no, specifically, again, this must be something to do with David because what? You had him like dead drop you those two cheesecakes the other day. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I mean, we needed something for the orgy, but I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, oh. my, qu- my question, Jamie, in response, would you invite David? <laughs> yeah, actually. I, I haven't met David on Saturday. Obviously, he's a lot hotter than I was expecting. <laughs> right. I, I don't know why, but something about, something about like you, the. the the persona you project over audio, I imagined you'd be a lot more fucking clapped when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and instead, Jamie would like to make you a lot more fucking clapped, David. So uh, head, to, head to the north of England. I thought Fantastic. we said we're not doing this on the podcast. We're not doing this on the podcast. Or ever in my direction, thank you very much. Please do not fucking perceive me. Fucking hell. Okay. 
So the pandemic's I'm over. I'm trying to pay you a fucking compliment. <laughs> and I don't like that. I don't like when people do that. It feels weird and undeserved, and I will not have it. Okay, moving. The well, that's what on. we love about you, David. Oh, stop it! Right, the pandemic is fucking over. Please. <laughs> So hang on, no, 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 hang on, back a minute. So you don't like it when we beat on you, is this, right? Is this a but meta bit I try you. and say the pandemic's You don't like so it when we beat you off. Oh. <laughs> I hate all of this. I hate all of this. Fucking hell. It wasn't, it wasn't that kind of meeting in a car park, to be fair. It really wasn't. It was, it was the least British version of meeting in a car park. <laughs> yeah, exchanging a graphics card for some cheesecakes. So exactly, yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, that must be a massive cheesecake. Oh, no, don't actually. don't start them on the cheesecakes, please don't. Like we'll be here all night talking about <laughs> fucking cheesecake, and I, I just I can't have it. I can just say publicly for record that uh, Jamie's family makes excellent fucking cheesecakes, and I ate two full cheesecakes in three days. I have a problem. <laughs> James, this is just your uh, goblin mode like dry run for when you're doing your uh, Elden Ring stream. Yeah, well, what I think, it, what I've actually told myself is, I'm putting on the fat in advance so that I've got something to burn through as I'm just living on Elden Ring for like you know five to seven days. So, yeah. so what's this okay. about COVID, David? <laughs> yeah, COVID. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thank- are we still talking about this? I thought the pandemic was over. Well, well <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, so since the start of the pandemic, there's been 18.4 million reported cases in the UK and 160,000 deaths from it. And at the moment, uh, we are still on about 400,000 uh, cases a week. As far as I may have misread these fucking numbers, but I'm also fairly certain that I haven't. Um, so a ridiculous fucking number of cases per week and um, around 1,200 deaths. And the, the deaths number, I've been assured, is correct. And also um, an under... Um, an underweighting because I've I've pushed that one down a little bit because I thought that seems a bit too high. I'll play it safe and say a lower number, but it's around that point anyway as a minimum. So that's cool. Uh, that's still happening. That's regular, and we are now moving into the living with COVID phase of the pandemic, which is an ironic title considering that some people don't. Uh, yeah, uh, very much. Um, we've liked nothing we've tried, and we're all out of ideas at this stage. <laughs> like. This is um. So how how doomer am I allowed to get here, David? Oh, good. Uh, fuck it. Go off. Don't kill. <laughs> okay. So here's the problem, and the problem is that just because death rates are going down, it doesn't mean cases of long COVID are going down. Yes. It doesn't mean the the systemic effects of COVID infection are lessening after you get the you know vaccines. In fact, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that actually no, it doesn't really do that. And people have come back and said, oh well, it seems like Omicron is less um. Looks like it's less dangerous, you're less likely to be hospitalized from it, etc. And it's like, uh, acutely, yes. But it turns out it's just as bad for long COVID. And long COVID is fucking terrifying. Yeah. The more I've read up on it, the more it seems like it's just a bad fucking time for everyone concerned. And it doesn't get it doesn't get better. Like it does it can basically people have been describing brain fog and it's because it's killing off parts of the brain. You know, so don't worry about that. You'll get a bit dumber, but it's fine. It's okay. That's all grand. It's causing damage to hearts, to lungs. It's giving people diabetes, which is a fucking staggering one. It's just, it's it's really bad. And that's before you get to the fact that it increases clotting disorders quite tremendously. And um, this is this is a long-rolling thing. It doesn't necessarily get better. It's just permanently pinning disabilities onto people. And they might be relatively minor at the start, but as you get older, those will ramp up really fucking quickly. And our strategy for this has just been to go, ah, fuck it, the young will be fine. 
the young are okay. Look, if you don't get that sick from it, I'm sure it's okay. Look, James, it doesn't sound anything like this country to just tell disabled people to go fuck themselves. So I don't see what the worry's about, really. Well, the, the, the problem is that it's, it's making healthy people into long-term disabled. I think it's... At which point they the, can go fuck themselves, yes, this is well, how it works. The, the, the problem is I honestly think that we're laying a time bomb and it's going to actually really impact on us <clears> in like five to ten years in a quite a tremendous way, if not sooner. I mean, if you're already disabled, you're going to be hit by it sooner. If you're already older, you're going to be hit by it sooner. But we're looking at our healthy population getting years shaved off of their actual, you know, productive, able-to-work lives. And, um, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, good it's shit. not great. So it's wonderful. I'm, I'm, glad, so. I'm glad to hear that COVID is over so that we're not forcing people to go and catch it well listen right? listen how about how about rather than you being all doomer right i talked to you about the wonderful bold new world which awaits us all um is this when we privatize the moon no <laughs> no unrelated yet I, just assume, as I assume i assume that was in response to our last ep- the episode uh about no. central banks that we just did no no <laughs> i mean it, it should be frankly i want to charge people rent on sunlight that sounds like a viable you know new evolution for capitalism Mm. I don't have anything for that. That's just horrible. Desperately avoiding the the dad joke that is waiting for me there. Go on. We're not above dad jokes here. It's daylight robbery. It is. Uh, hey. Who invited you on? (laughs) Is it too late to get Chloe? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, things we are doing now that we're into the living with COVID phase uh, the ONS random sampling study, which has been with us throughout the pandemic, is a very effective way of gathering like good data on how widespread the virus is, how much community um, impact it's having, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's getting wound down and stopped now, uh, so no more of that shit. So we can't, if you don't you know, know about it, it's not a problem, right? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, the legal requirement to self-isolate, at least if you're in England will be removed by the end of this month. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, a little bit nerve-wracking, to be honest. A little bit. Um, so that doesn't really seem, if you think about it on the face of it, that's like, well, people could still self-isolate, they could still be personally responsible, etc., which is fine until the horrible cunt that is for some reason still the manager in the fucking retail shop that you work in says... No, fuck you, just come in. I don't have the staff to cover it. At that point, um, yeah, fuck you, you need to go out and spread this virus. Which is great because you don't have any sort of recourse to say, no, I can't, I'm not allowed. I'm just glad that we don't live in a country with an increasingly large precariat that have basically got no option but to go to work, otherwise they simply do not get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just, just do gig economy shit, that's fine. Then you can choose when to work. Sorry you didn't choose to get the virus, but you did choose to go outside, so... Being in charge of an industrialised Western nation is chiefly about playing Jenga with the entire structure of society, where you're just pulling out every little block that you can, just to see what, what how much you can take out before the whole thing topples over. So, in, if this is another one of those blocks being taken out, I'm all for it. This is dangerously close to the trash future Kaplunk metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) This is an original idea. Do not steal TM. (laughs) Etc. I mean TF. 
Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real, lads. I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe the massive public orgy was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so on top of the uh, removal of the self-isolation legal requirement, uh, PCR tests will also now not be a thing uh, for most people. So the the idea of getting a free PCR if you think you've got COVID, uh, that's pretty much gone. You can still get them. Some reporting that I've seen said that it would still happen in schools. Don't know how that's going to work out, if that's like a teacher's only thing or if that somehow applies to the children. Don't know. Don't. I'm. I'm not taking it as red yet because, like I say, it only appeared in some things that I've seen. But vulnerable people and those in hospital can still get free tests. Honestly, how generous. Mm, I don't know what counts as vulnerable in this instance. That hasn't really been clarified very well yet. Uh, we'll find out, I suppose. Um, BFC, don't fall into those brackets. You can't get a free test. You can, however, pay for one. Apparently, at the cool price of one hundred pounds. Fucking hell. Bargain. Yes. yes. £100 to prove to your employer that you are actually sick. That'll go down well. See, I, I've, I think we've still got like some tests in the cupboard. And uh, I'm excited to hear that I'll soon be able to trade those for like a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jamie, you'll only, you can only get NFTs. Yeah, the, 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 these are the PCRs, though, that we're talking about, the ones that actually you need to fuck off and get, as opposed to just the one you do in the uh-huh. house. So, like, and those are the only ones that really count you know, the most part of, like, a definite, like, well, not definite, but a much more accurate level of confirmation as to, yeah, you have got COVID. So that's that's gone. Uh, one little quote I've got here from Johnson. He praised the UK's progress in managing the spread of COVID faster compared to other European countries and added, <laughs> we are not saying isolation is pointless. We've done a lot. We've made a lot of steps in trying to combat this disease so let's just wind all of that shit that we did back yeah we also said that we'd expect anyone with an infectious disease to take steps not to spread that disease further a colleague at work with flu for example (laughs) i mean like jordan fucking said uh people have to go into fucking work yes lest their shitty boss like Say, don't bother coming back, you know? Yeah. Well, they should go into work with a fucking, like, fishbowl over the head or something (laughs) like that, you know what I mean? I really hate these cunts. Yeah. I really hate them. I just, I cannot begin to describe the sorrow and rage I feel as I just contemplate all of this. Yeah. I just, I don't have the words. I mean, this is all, at the end of the day, this is all a product of all the people who were jumping on fucking Partygate or whatever is, uh, oh, this is a very important thing. Like, that was just, it was just covered, it was manufacturing consent for associating the concept of having to obey restrictions with like, be, it being a bad thing and unjust that you should have to do such a thing. So now we're just taking them all away and most people are like, yeah, okay, fine, it's over. Like, at least now they can't break the rules, eh? There's no rules to break. Like, fuck off. This this is just... Anyone that's jumped in on the fucking party gate shit has been manufactured in consent for exactly this situation. And I've been saying it for fucking weeks, and here we are. Like, no surprises. I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite as direct as that, David. I think what's happening is this is the pivot. Because the party gate stuff is actually perfectly reasonable, where it's people going, oh, great, so they're above the law. And that is a that is a reasonable thing to be pissed off about. But the pivot here is going, all right, we'll give you the same privileges as they took for themselves, which is bullshit and not what people want. But we're going to be told that's what we want, right? Right? Yep. Mm. Sounds fun. 
Yeah, so shit's fucked. Um, but hey, who knows? Um, apparently, it'll be gone in about six years' time. And when we say gone, we mean like probably just not really a problem anymore because it's just evolved to a point where it just passes about harmlessly. Like that's you know, not how the, it works. Like Sorry, the flu has another that, form that, of coronavirus in some cases. Like yeah, that's how the flu works every year. That's 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 not how it works. That's like measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox, all the rest of them. They didn't become less lethal. No, they did. Like we. <laughs> yes, I mean you could argue that they're not coronaviruses or something, but like the flu specifically, many strains of it are actually a coronavirus, and like it still <laughs> comes around every fucking year. So yeah, okay, cool. I just, I just, I just, I can't. People thinking, oh, well, it'll evolve to be less deadly and we'll get more used to it. And it's like, no, you idiots. Do you think, like, measles did not do that, right? Yeah, but, like, literally no cunt understands how evolution works, though. Well, I, think, I, mean? I think it's and because... The, and the blame, the blame for that can be, like, pretty squarely laid at the feet of evolutionary psychologists. <laughs> because, like, they just, they just make up any old fucking shit that occurs to them. And people go, mm, yes, you're definitely a scientist. Sounds like you it's haven't been fucking... eating enough of your berries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, there's, a, there's an element of truth to that, I suppose. Like, you know, lack of science education definitely fe- mm. features into it. But yeah, I, I just, I can't, like, what's going to happen is it's going to become endemic. Not, like, we're not yep. going to get over it. It's going to go from being, you know, a thing we're struggling against, just being endemic in society and... Well, that sounds great because I don't know what endemic means. So <laughs> it's where loads of people die about it, but we just don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. Well, we won't have to. We won't, we won't have to know about it because uh, yeah, exactly. Because we won't we won't know how many people had it. So yeah, yeah. we did it. Should we move on to another uh, resounding victory? Oh please, yes. Yes, um, what I have um, apprehensively titled the Saint Petersburg War Factory. Um, <laughs> So, in honour honor of the West's uh, success in diffusing the uh, Russia and Ukraine situation, um, I thought it was a good idea to um, talk about the media and uh, the sort of the role that they've been playing recently. Because um, you can't see me, but I've got my hand up here. <laughs> you got your hand up. Yeah, I've got my hand up, teacher. When you say the West's success, which part of the West in particular? Oh, you know, you know, all those uh, people that are good in the West. So basically. Germany and France going, no, fuck you, we're not going to war with Russia. Well, I mean, it's, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the US and the, the UK French, even did trying the to... French, did the French say no to another just war? Those <laughs> absolute pricks, like, right, we need to rename chips again. Get on this. <laughs> I mean, and it's not been for uh, a lack of fucking sabre-rattling on, uh, like, the UK and the US's sides. Um, I've got a few choice um, headlines that I'd like to read out to you in what I what I think is increasing order of uh, comedy. So um, right. we've got a Guardian headline here. Um, Europe closes to war than at any point in 70 years, says UK minister. No. Was, was there not a war in Europe? No. Within the last 70 no. years? I'm pretty, no. sure, I'm pretty sure I remember. No. Yes, probably. But we, that, that doesn't count, though, because... <laughs> We weren't paying attention, Jamie. Didn't, so, like, didn't like a whole country turn into like three smaller countries? Probably. And there was gunfire I mean, involved. Look, was that not a war? Just because you're was, you, that, just a, was <laughs> that just a scuffle? It's only, it's only a war if the West is directly observing it. Mm. <laughs> not now. Not what he said there. Directly observing it. Not if the West is involved, because we very much were involved in those, right? Oh, yeah. It's got to be. We've got to be observing it. We've got to care about it for it to be a war, right? 
I mean, like, yeah, the the the, the tendrils of the of the US and like the intelligence services run very very fucking deep throughout. Uh, uh, like, if not Ukraine, then pretty much every every single fucking conflict that's happened in uh, like Eastern Europe and anywhere like vaguely in like throwing distance of there. So. Um, should we should we have another headline? This one, this oh, one's from on. the sun. This one's from the sun. This oh, this one's actually. I, I, I think oh, I know the one you're gonna yeah. you're gonna fucking reel out here. Yeah. So this one was was actually published today, uh, February the fifteenth. Uh, Russia <laughs> set to invade Ukraine at one a.m. tomorrow. Oh, no, no, no. You, you missed a bit there, didn't you? Oh, dawn, dawn raid. <laughs> yeah, dawn raid. Oh. And they said that they said it's going to be a dawn raid at one a.m. That famous time when it's dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I think the right. I'm going to give the sun the, the slightest modicum of credit, and assume you are taking... fucking not. <laughs> actually, fair. I stand I corrected. It. <laughs> okay, sure. The sun was actually operating on British time, which you would too if you were a true patriot. <laughs> the sun never sets on the Tony Blair internet time zone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so um, I've got. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't actually find the article going through like um, the Wayback Machine and things like that. For uh, Bloomberg News, uh, ran an article titled on the fourth of February, titled "Russia Invades Ukraine." Oh, this was so good. <laughs> um, and but uh, so they uh, put up put out a statement, a statement on publishing error. Uh, we prepare we prepare headlines for many scenarios, and the headline "Russia invades Ukraine" was inadvertently published around four p.m. <laughs> today on a website. We deeply regret the error. The headline has been removed, and we are investigating the cause. <laughs> because I, I, I always I always love this sort of shit where they always like they publish some cunt's obituary too early. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. oh well, we just we how had all this shit ready to go, and it's like maybe you could just report on what's actually fucking happening. Instead of trying to predict all possible futures, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we've been podcasting the Quasar obituary for months now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. Maybe you could, maybe you could just look out the window and report on what's out there instead of just sitting and going like theor- theoretically. Well, maybe if, like, you know what I mean? If I ch- decide to have a cheeseburger for lunch, maybe like a new a new branch will come off this timeline. It's like, all right, Doctor Who, settle the fuck down and just report on the news. Do you know what I mean? Then you wouldn't have this problem. And well, we accidentally published the fucking like story where we said the Daleks invaded or some shit. You know yeah, what I mean? But the the issue, like, fair enough for the obituaries, right? But I don't think this one's a mistake. Actually, I think it's part of the strategy, especially given who the fuck it was who published it. Um, like, I think what we basically did is we said, right, intern, we want you to publish the story and then unpublish it. Um, and the intern's like, why am I like, just do as you're told? Don't worry, you won't get in trouble for it. And <laughs> the reason behind it. <laughs> The reason behind it is to create this narrative that, oh, uh, Russia's invaded Ukraine. People hear that, right? I mean, it gets walked back, but it doesn't kind of go as far. And it helps establish this narrative that, well, they're going to do it. it it's, it's imminent. Like, you know, it could happen any moment sort of thing. Sh- and it helps yeah. the drumbeat for war. I should just also add that that was the extent of the statement. They didn't... <clears throat> they didn't provide <laughs> anything beyond, we're sorry we published this. Not No sort of like context for why it was uh, why this article has been written or uh you know how it could possibly be like posted yeah, but I mean, accidentally least, but at least it was an actual apology you know what i mean, mean we're yeah. sorry we did we're sorry we did this instead of we're sorry you you took offense yeah i dare say if we check the sun tomorrow it's not going to come up they didn't say sorry they said we deeply regret the error that's not the same thing. No, that, that's a good point. <laughs> like, uh, you well, know. I don't know. I was only, I, I'm not reading the fucking thing. I'm, I'm just listening to what Alistair said. 
<laughs> it's also again but, more than you're gonna get from the sun on the one AM dawn raid that doesn't fucking. Oh occur. yeah, <laughs> no, they're gonna. You know, it's like headline in a hundred points front page, and then retraction in like contract clause font, you know, size back mm. page sort of thing. That's how it works. You need a magnifying glass to get the uh, retraction, basically. Mm. Would you all like another headline? Oh please. Go on. So uh, this one's from the mail. Uh, Mail online. So, uh, Ukraine's deadliest female sniper, who has 10 confirmed kills, vows to take on Putin again and tells how she shot three Russian separatists in one night as they tried to storm her trench. Would anyone... Is she a Nazi? Yes. (laughs) So, um, Alan Alan McLeod, uh, who's uh, pretty great on most things like international, uh, sort of gives context to this. Uh, He says, uh, you'd never guess from from this Daily Mail puff piece or others like it that Elena Bilozerska... I hope I pronounced that right, is a Nazi who called, who has called from monuments to Hitler to be built in central Berlin. I'll be honest, the minute you said that is a Nazi, I stopped caring as to whether or not you pronounced the name right. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you say that guy's pretty good on international things, but why did he why did he phrase that like that and not do it as the like a, as a milkshake duff, duck reference? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? He'd have done way more numbers that way. Yeah, it's quite an amateur. D- different registers for different audiences, really. <laughs> Oh, um, he also um, so Alan McLeod's also written um, quite a quite a good piece on um, essentially Western saber rattling. Um, this is a, a small excerpt on one of the articles he's written for uh, Mint Press News. Western media and governments have expressed alarm over a suspected build-up of Russian military forces close to its over 1,200-mile border with Ukraine. There are reportedly almost 100,000 troops in that vicinity. Yet this is far from the first media panic over a supposedly imminent Russian invasion. In fact, warning of a hot war in Europe is a nearly yearly occurrence at this point. In 2015, outlets such as Reuters and the New York Times claimed that Russia was massing troops at heavy firepower, including tanks, artillery and rocket launchers, right on the border, while normally sleepy sleepy frontier towns were abuzz with activity. And he goes on to say that similar things have been written about Russia in 2016, 2018, and as like recently as 2021, excluding the current events. So, um, cool. it's, yeah, um, and in 2021, arguably, if you take uh, the New York Times at face value, uh, there was a bigger presence on the border in 2021. So that was uh, about 11 months ago, uh, that 2021 build-up. You're a bit busy then. Yeah. <laughs> Alistair, if people maybe recognise the name, Alan McLeod, do you, do you mind me filling people in on why they might know that name? Uh, yes, uh, I hope it's for the absolute bodying he gave. Uh, fuck, no, nah, what, what MP was it? I can't remember. Chris Bryan. Yeah, go on, go on, fill he, them all in. He's the one that's trying to act like an expert on South America, was seen off by the academic Alan McLeod and then ended up in an online confrontation with... Tom Usher, at which point he tried to act like he was being threatened with hammers. Oh, fucking, yeah, that was beautiful, that like. I've also got a- another bit of reporting, if you don't mind me adding to your list. Yeah, go for it. There's someone called uh, Tom Winter, he's NBC News correspondent. He reported yesterday, at the time of recording, so it'd be Valentine's Day, Ukrainian President Zelensky posts on Facebook. We are told that February 16th will be the day of the attack. We will, be, we will make it the day of unity. The relevant decree has already been signed. Uh, followed up by a tweet. Important update uh, from Josh NBC News. Walk back from Kiev. 
Zelensky spokesman says when he said on Facebook that we are told that the 16th of February will be the day of the attack. Zelensky was merely referring to media reports told by <laughs> yeah. the media, not by US, Russia, NATO, etc. Uh, which, which sounds bad enough. But then someone from BuzzFeed uh, covering national security and extremism who spent 11 years in Ukraine and East Europe uh, <laughs> did quote tweeted the walkback and said the walkback isn't from Kiev. It was misinterpreted by NBC other outlets. Walkback should come from those inaccurately reporting what Zelensky said. If you know Zelensky, local languages, local context, you don't misinterpret this. Ukrainian media didn't get it wrong. Only US. Oh. <laughs> like I, honestly, it's um, it's the bit from uh, what you call it, brass eye about you know the how to manufacture a war using the media, and it's just it's just like that, yeah. but unironically. Yeah, yeah. I hate I how mean, brass eye just... is basically just a fucking playbook for reality at this point. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is the last thing we wanted to have happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the coverage. The, the coverage this time has just been enormous in comparison to all these, you know, similar instances in the past. And I think I get I get the impression that um, both the Russian government and the Ukrainian government are a little bit, you know, surprised at this time. This has caused so much of a ruckus for the West. I mean, and like, as, as by all accounts, neither Russia nor the Ukrainian government like ever really considered an invasion to be probable and but that hasn't that hasn't stopped the west just posting like unabashed um as of battalion photo ops for example yeah. on the and bbc how many, front how page. many rubles did you get for that little statement there comrade <laughs> <laughs> like here's the thing like it's it's all it's not the story behind this is not very complicated. Russia goes, we don't want Ukraine to join NATO. We want them to stay neutral. We don't want to have NATO forces on our doorstep. That is too big a security risk for us. Wow, stay that's such a, NATO. That's a strange new development from Russia, the country that definitely did not say that immediately after the dissolution of the Soviet Union as one of the conditions exactly. of the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Yeah, right. Uh... You know, they, 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 they just turn around. They, they've been very consistent on this, and this has all come about because NATO has basically been doesn't saying, yeah, Ukraine. <laughs> well, NATO doesn't give a fuck at all. And NATO's basically been going, well, maybe we can add in Ukraine. And internally, domestically, there's been a push to join NATO in the Ukraine because they're afraid that Russia's going to take, you know, more land from them. But Russia only took the land in the first place because they're like, no, we don't like the way the situation is unfolding in Ukraine. And this is a security vulnerability for us. So we'll take it. That way we're secure. And as long as they stay neutral, we're probably fine. And that's that's what this is all about. And that's what they've said consistently. And we've been sending like a fucking Liz Trust and similar. And the whole reason, the whole reason, um, who's been amazingly burned by their ambassador again oh and my again God, and again. Just beautiful. But, but I just not to quote we, Trump, but we're not sending our best. <laughs> no, we are not. But and like you know, the, the whole reason this is being rattled this time, as best I can tell. It's just because it suits the domestic agendas of the UK and the USA mm -hmm. to distract people with Russia. Yeah. Right? I think that's basically it. And um, France and Germany kind of going in and going, nope, 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 we're going to calm this the fuck down, guys, is basically them going, uh, we don't have that problem. Fuck you. We're not going to get let you drag us into a land war in Europe because you decided to saber rattle to, you know, try and get away from your own domestic policy failures. And fuck off, Liz Truss, we got this one. May have been said at one point. So, uh, yeah. So, I someone, mentioned, 
Someone mentioned in there that part of the conditions of the dissolution of the Soviet Union was that NATO wouldn't expand more towards Russia's borders. Now, since that's happened... (laughs) 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 Oh no, I'm I'm just going to look at my uh, globe on my desk and with all the NATO countries listed on it. Oh no! (laughs) Yeah, so does that mean contractually the Soviet Union is obliged to reform? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only... <laughs> I do get the impression I that's that the, an option uh, on here. <laughs> absolutely, the um, the impression that it, the dissolution of the Soviet Union could have been handled somewhat better. Um, Whoa, hold up, hold up, right, sorry. I'm just hitting a big, I'm pumping the brakes, hitting a big red button, abort, abort. If we're not, if we're not allowed to do Scott Paul, we are absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not allowed to do Soviet Paul. We're absolutely not, not happening. No, I do not want to get run over by a tank. Thanks, David. There will actually be some Scott Paul shortly, so I, I, I will allow it. <laughs> no, so no. We'll- uh, well, going back to the uh, BBC front page, um, so they uploaded this um, a video of this seventy-nine-year-old um, woman receiving like rifle training from the from the Nazis, yes, the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion, who are like famously those motherfuckers. Those motherfuckers never sleep. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, you got to have that Nazi mindset. You know, um, the, yeah, the Nazi grindset. <laughs> PR, the PR. Their PR is incredible, considering how much British, like, fucking media, like, really doesn't like the far right, you know what I mean? It's incredible that they keep getting, like, the, the wool pulled over their eyes in such a fashion. Well, you say that, Jamie, and I'm not, but... I'm not going to investigate that any further. Well, you say that, but the the BBC, to their credit, does mention that the Azov Battalion has far-right links, and it goes so links. far as to describe them, <laughs> to describe them a, as a far-right group with a controversial history... A controversial history, okay. Well, yeah, they, they've got oh, far yeah. right links in the same way that a chain has metal links. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, whatever Putin's goals are, and they're probably not very good, you know, as he's, you know, pretty much a far right, uh, right wing Russian nationalist. Uh, whatever they are, they're almost entirely obscured um, in, you know, in the West. Uh, by the cacophony of fucking saber-rattling from moderate journalists who get a fucking hard-on at the prospect of dropping bombs on the border of Ukraine and Russia. Uh, was it um, Was it Ian Cunt who said, like, fucking, oh, and this is happening in Europe? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Mr. Quiet Part Loud strikes again. <laughs> I, will, I, will say this about, I will say this about Putin. I don't think he himself is particularly necessarily right-wing. Let me justify that statement. He's an authoritarian running a kleptocracy. I think he just looks at the right wing shit and goes, "That's useful domestically." Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, you know, like, like I say, like, wh- I mean, whatever his goals like, and like his political I- ideology is, is pretty much entirely obscured. Not, um, you know, distant from like Sky or whatever you want to call walks it. Like a, if he walks like a cunt and quacks like a cunt, I'm not really going to split hairs about whether he truly <laughs> believes he's a cunt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Mean. I mean, I think it's I think it's important to make this distinction. Like, oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't put that on your CV, would you, Vlad? Oh well, tough shit. <laughs> well, no, the, the reason I think it's important to to make the distinction is the libs will forever rattle and say, oh, you know, look at Russia, it's terrible on gay rights, etc., 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 and that Putin's genocidal and wants to you know kill all the gays and all this kind of stuff. And I think you have to kind of 
push back against that and go, no, they're using right-wing bullshit to prop up a domestic agenda. Can't think of any other fucking country that's doing that, can yeah. you, Normal Island? Um, but I, th- I think it's important to do that to prevent allowing them to further this narrative that it's like, oh, the forces of light and rainbows versus, you know, the evil dark empire of Russia. And you just right, need to kind of I reduce mean, like, it to real politics. Just, just fucking just point out to them that every single country on Earth is run by a dipshit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, I mean, um, Reagan yeah. won, really. Um, liberals do Reaganism <laughs> shit all the fucking time, and we, we just Pretty love much. to see it. So I've got a nice little, um, a nice little kicker at the end for us. Uh, so... You know, stop the war, um, understandably, have said, hmm, war, war with Russia, probably bad. Um, and as a result... Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's nothing uh, but plain old-fashioned communism. <laughs> yeah, controversial radicalism know, like that is why the Labour Party is unelectable, frankly. Yeah, I mean, is this scorchingly hot take has uh, rightfully been ripped to shreds by uh, the leader of the opposition and his, and his hangers-on. Because it'd be a great way to own the left by um, discrediting the Stop the War Coalition. Uh, and I've got a nice little quote for you, uh, given, given the context of what uh, we've just been discussing. So this is, this is uh, from uh, Keir Starmer's article in The Guardian, uh, Guardian about uh, Stop the War. Uh, nobody wants war. Oh, sorry. I <laughs> accidentally pressed that there. Oops. Sorry. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Hey, uh, David, don't worry. Um, after this podcast, would you like to interview for a job over at Bloomberg News? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he Mate, says... You could, go and get that, you could go and get that job as like a fucking uh, counter-attack specialist or whatever the fuck bullshit, like Tom Clancy bullshit they were advertising for. The party. Must bring own gear. Just turn up, turn up in the mentions of everyone who says Keith on Twitter with that sound clip. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's Labour recruiting for a director of attack and rebuttal. For sixty-seven, nearly sixty-eight grand, uh, with a with her allowance. If they, if they give me, if they give me sixty-eight grand, I promise not to call him Keith anymore on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, it's dead simple, right? Here's the strategy, okay? Free consultancy here. Do it for free. Um, when they when they come at you and go, ah, oh, Keith, you go. Actually, it's Kia. And then when someone posts something nasty about you, you know, saying that it's, uh, hey, uh. You know, actually, Keir Starmer is X, Y, and Z. You just go, actually, it's Keith. There you go, attack and rebuttal, done. <laughs> just keep your keep your enemy, like, on their toes and, like, unsure what direction you're going and problem solved, the, the right? George Lucas laser sword technique. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he writes, nobody oh. wants war. At first glance, some on the left may be sympathetic to those siren voices who condemn NATO. But to condemn NATO is to condemn the guarantee of democracy and security it brings, and which our allies um, in Eastern and Central Europe are relying on. As the saber-rattling from Moscow, as the saber-rattling from Moscow grows ever louder. Bunch of bunch of ancient Greek sailors being dashed on the rocks by people that about like fish women yelling "fuck NATO." <laughs> Thesis, maybe we shouldn't actually bomb children. <laughs> and he's screaming on the mast. Just fantastic. Oh, Can, dear. Does anyone have any idea like how many democracies have been overthrown by NATO countries since the formation cut of NATO? Mic, cut his mic, cut his mic. Iran, Guatemala... Honduras, Bolivia. They're the wrong kinds of democracies. It's that simple. Yeah. And if it's the wrong kind of democracy, it's not a democracy. This is very, like, simple stuff that you should understand as a, as a podcast host. <laughs> mm. 
Anyway, this portion of the podcast was brought to you by the CIA. Um, <laughs> oh. oh, no, it's, uh, what was it, the National Endowment for Democracy, David? That's, that's right, that's right, sorry, yeah. That's what you um, said, wasn't it? Yeah. Okie doke. Uh, shall, we, shall we open a Scott Paul door now? Oh, if we have to. I'm, I'm glad you brought an expert on for this one. <laughs> so, Jamie, it's your time to shine. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to have a biscuit. Oh, no, you, you, you like boots. it. We're talking about free ports. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm going to have a Fabergé biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the UK government is still chasing free ports as a solution to all of our woes, none of which we're actually experiencing, by the way. Everything is fine. Ask no questions. But because it's the UK government, they would like to have some all over the place and think that some in Scotland would be a great idea. So as a reminder to everyone who... You know, blessedly forgotten what a free port is a free port's effectively a low tax zone um, which is somewhere that you go to get your spine fucked up <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I thought it was something awful yeah <laughs> so in fairness if you wait long enough low tax zones do tend to take themselves out so it's all fun <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> oh sorry too soon oh yes okay great so um yeah, basically, in, in these uh, freeport zones, tariffs aren't payable on goods that enter or exit them. And things like uh, value-added tax or employment taxes, etc., can be reduced. And these can be reduced right down to fuck all, depending on the rules of them. How long? How long until the government approves, like, fucking digital freeports for NFTs? <laughs> oh, why did you say that on a podcast? I, th- I think you'll find, uh, Jamie, that if you give your NFTs to your child, they become <laughs> a digital freeport. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Because uh. a, a question. Mm-hmm. So someone says, we've got this solution to all the problems, freeports. And yes. then someone says, what problems are they solving? Yes. <laughs> what comes well, next? Well, well, by then they've already left the room. Picture, picture like an infomercial with one guy like opening his cupboard and just like millions of Fabergé eggs spilling out. Like, Look, I have a better place to keep all of these. Yeah, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. So the point of them is that you can import like goods or parts um, and use them in manufacturing without paying any import tariffs on them. Which, like, okay. so was that stopping imports before? No, it wasn't stopping imports, but it makes it easier because it's cheaper now because you don't need to pay the UK government to do it but it's only effectively a saving for the manufacturer who isn't necessarily going to pass that cost on because like, when you export them, like they are being imported from somewhere. So at some point, you're going to need to pay an import tariff. It's, it's still going to happen, so it doesn't necessarily fix anything. It just makes things better for the middleman, which like not necessarily a big fucking draw, but obviously they are because they're really useful for things like money laundering and cheap labour, because you can avoid compliance with all sorts of like working regulations, and including like pay rules and stuff like that, which is great. I remember, yeah. I remember the time we when we it's actually also, went... It's also the only place you're illegally allowed to hide your time machine from Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the last time we went into depth on these fucking things, I remember mm. that the, my main takeaway was that the only thing that could conceivably be considered a boon to the economy is the guy with the hot dog cart nearby like yeah. <laughs> everything else is just like either a drink like either a net neutral or net negative to like the economy as it were yeah the secret yeah, ingredient like is crime <laughs> well 
it's like that that one guy with a hot dog van standing outside the Freeport, pay, you know, getting paid by the lunch runs of all the people working inside the Freeport. You know, he's going to make a massive, massive difference to the economy. You know, we Gav and his hot dog van in Scotland <laughs> is going to single handedly <laughs> turn we, shit we around. Gav's hot dog van is the fucking killer name for a hot dog van. I'm not going to lie, trademark <laughs> that shit. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so the SNP. But will they be able to buy hot dogs if they're so badly paid? <laughs> Well, yeah, well, yeah, that that is that I mean, is the, the downside of it. I mean, you you don't you don't. I mean, the reason it's hot dogs is, I mean, you know, he might be getting the meat from inside the freeport, so to speak. If you get what I mean. <laughs> but then he's got to produce the meat in the freeport. He's got to, be able to do the hot dogs and everything else in the freeport, and then he's not really coming back out of the freeport with that stuff. So he's still going to need to pay some kind of taxes when he moves from the freeport into the country again. So like <laughs> the whole pay, thing's having, fucking pointless. Having to pay import tariffs when you put a hot dog in your mouth. If you go through the machine from Tenet while you're in the Freeport, when you when you leave backwards, you get your you get your taxes back. <laughs> I, I like I hate to get all pratchet about this, but I've suddenly got cut me on throat uh cut me on throat freeporter stuck in my head now. And I just oh. can't quite can't quite shake it. Yeah. So uh the SNP conference in twenty twenty one. Uh, passed a motion that said free ports are shit and bad and just fully kind of condemned the idea of doing them because the UK government was pushing them at the time. Anyway, the SNP are now pushing free ports, uh, so that's oh, cool. Oh, maybe pursue premature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're green now. They're green free ports. That's what we're oh, calling like, them Oh, now. those oil, truck, oil tankers were. If yes. you exclude the oil. That's see, right, the green if, oil. See, if I know anything about party conferences... It's that when you pass a motion, they always get adhered to. And that's why the Labour Party position is now that Israel is an apartheid state. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. So, there will now be two green free ports in Scotland um, after an agreement was arranged by uh, ScotGov and UK Gov ministers. And I've got some quotes here, some lovely select quotes. So... Um, Scotland's Finance Secretary, Kate Forbes, said, We have been able to reach an agreement on a joint approach that enshrines the Scottish Government's commitment to achieving net zero and embedding fair work practices through public investment. Mm. Wow, the that's a lot of words. Yeah, the establishment of green free ports will help us create new green jobs. Somehow. <laughs> and develop a just transition and support our economic transformation. And also just a little note here that the UK government has committed funding of £52 million to the project and that bidders will have to pledge to reach net zero by 2045. Now, well, that sounds like it means something. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's whenever, 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 whenever like, something is defined as like a green whatever, I would just... It's never going to happen, but I would love for... Who, like whoever's peddling this shit to actually define their fucking terms. Like, what makes this Freeport green? How? What is the actual substantive I think you'll find, way? I think you'll find <laughs> what makes this Freeport green, Alistair, is the massive fucking bucket of green paint that's being dumped <laughs> on it by the Scottish government. I think that's it. Oh, is that is that because they've got uh, a it's Shrek themed? <laughs> <laughs> well, he he was Scottish, so there you go. <laughs> As as the trade unionist on the episode, I do just want to say that never in history has embedding fair work practices been achieved 
through public investment. Yeah. You need trade yeah. unions to do that. Yeah. So you're trying oh, well. you're trying to tell me that you can't impose fair contracts on arbitrary tax exclusion zones. Hmm. Weird. I mean, you can impose that they're supposed to do them, but who can afford <laughs> yeah. a lawyer? Jordan, hmm. we need you to unionize for Fabergé eggs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what Fabergé himself would have wanted. <laughs> they, they, right, they, they, these are these are green free ports, right? So the Fabergé eggs will all be green. And like, <laughs> what just I have a coat was, of paint on them. <laughs> well, if it's a green free port, surely then it has the support of the, you know, the the are the, yeah, the, are the green Fabergé eggs, the sexy ones, like with M and M. They were until they changed the shoes, Jamie. <laughs> oh dear. So the you would expect with uh, being green, um, that the Scottish Green Party, you know, the the not coalition partners, um, of the Scottish government would be well up for this. I mean, this must have had their blessing and stuff, right? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's 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 fucking it's low carbon. It's people have promised that they'll definitely do things. I thought I'd have a wee look and see if um, the Minister for Zero Carbon Buildings, Active Travel and Tenants Rights uh, <laughs> would have anything to say about this fucking ridiculous title. Stupid. Um, Patrick Harvey, the leader of the Greens, actually said fuck all about it. Oh, sorry, co-leader. Uh, um, sorry, uh, David, he's he's bound by cabinet responsibility, so I'm afraid he can't speak oh, out against no, this. Oh, no, that's terrible. Well, it's fine, because he's got uh, Ross Greer to say things instead, I suppose. It's always nice to have a mouthpiece, isn't it? Um, so Greer said that there was no actual solid requirements to meet climate targets. Correct. All stick to fair work practices. Correct. And it was naive to expect large corporations to adhere to these rules. It all sounds like quite important shit, stuff that, you know, collective cabinet responsibility should maybe be overruled for, if it's that important, but clearly not. So I, I bet the Scottish Greens are glad they didn't go into a coalition. That would yeah, have no, that's from... true. If they had been in a full coalition, this would be damning. Um, and <laughs> like, oh, I can only imagine yeah, the, but... the volume of words that Patrick Harvey would have said about this, you know, um, probably about the same, which is fuck all. Well, look, I mean, if it had gone into coalition, Ross wouldn't be able to say this. So, you know, this just goes to show that their strategy of going into coalition with the SNP and letting the SNP government say that they, you know, had green bona fides was, Mm. you know, entirely justified. And, you know, it works. (laughs) The the system, the process works. Even better, because um, Labour, Scottish Labour has said that, yeah, okay, this probably isn't terrible, but we need we need some fun rules about the work stuff. And the Tories Scottish have said... Is that, is that guy still around, is he? <laughs> <laughs> and the, Tory, the Scottish Tories have said um, that they should have went with this for the start, but they'll support it now. So in other words, the, the, the Green support on this is effectively fucking pointless. And like you'd think the Greens would learn um, that they will just go ahead with bullshit fucking lib stuff without you know their support, and, and they just need to deal with it. But apparently not, so never mind. Fuck them. But so it's okay. It's okay. Like it doesn't matter whether there's not really effective opposition on this issue. The Greens have said they don't like it, so it's not their responsibility. That's that's true. Yeah, it's not because they're not part of the government. That's right. Um, David, the, wait, the, the, the fundamental on. question though is how does this affect the question? Uh, it, it, it doesn't because um, the, the the Greens are quite happy to collaborate with the SNP on the question, and the question will occur again next year because it is forever 2014 yeah. and we live in hell. 
just as a final point on this, um, Kate Forbes went on, she, this was to BBC Scotland, uh, mentioned that all green freeport applicants would have to stick to their commitments to net zero targets and fair work. If a bidder <laughs> fails to do so, we would look at this very carefully. Oh no, not looking at things carefully. I yeah. hate when that happens. We would expect <laughs> bidders who set out promises to meet those promises, something what? which the Wait. free market has never I'm ever sorry, broken. David, didn't... Didn't the Scottish government just like announce they were bringing a rail franchise into public ownership? Oh yeah, by they, they did. Yes, yes. But, yeah, purely by default, and so that yeah, they, you yeah, know, <laughs> they took as long as possible to do it. Literally as long as they possibly could to do it. Um, so, David, are you are you telling me that they are putting the Scottish government on notice? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, um, they are they are putting themselves on notice and also biddles. Uh, Kate Falls went on to say they will be required to deliver robust decarbonisation plans demonstrating how they will move to net zero. A bidder will not win without it. What is not clear from that entire paragraph is we've talked about the bidder and the bidding process, but what they're not saying is that once the bid is granted, once it's all yes. the paperwork signed, they can just like scoop up all that careful planning, roll it in a ball and lob it in the bin and the Scottish government will do fuck yeah, all about it. Yeah, but James, yep. James, it's a recycling bin, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it on, green. Duh. Yeah. On the plus side, um, at least for me, uh, the SNP generally fucking love to spend money in the East Coast. So, like, no doubt they'll turn, like, Aberdeen and some other shithole in the East Coast into fucking free ports and I can live without that in my life. So that'll be nice, I suppose. Um, means we won't need to take it apart when we finally establish the Soviet Strathclyde, which is lovely. To go back to the question. Oh, no. Oh, really, I know. You are I, fucking, I, you are <laughs> kicking in the Scott Paul door. Well, just to say, it, can they hold a referendum that means anything without I, Westminster? Sorry, no. hang on, hang on just a second. Let me take this one while David just like gets the fucking uh, nail gun and the boards and starts going to work, shutting the door again. Um, the, the short answer is no, no, not as far as we can see. It doesn't look like like they've talked about. Oh, we're going to bring forward a plan, etc. But unless you know, unless they've got some credible political pressure to get the Westminster government to say yes, you can hold a referendum and to negotiate terms, which as far as we can tell, they don't then what can they do? Hold a non-binding advisory referendum, which all the Novo will opt out of so as to avoid giving it legitimacy? Yeah, that's going to work. And then when it returns a yes vote, do what with it? Hold a UDI? Don't think so. No. Famously, um, Catalonia is now independent. Yeah, exactly. Right. So unless they have some kind of strategy, which is basically prop up like a lame duck government in exchange for independence, and even then there's a lot of caveats in that, um, then no. And uh, to be totally honest, I don't think there's any deal to be made there because Conservatives will never fucking do it. No. Um, and then Labour? Well, no. let's be real here. If Labour is contingent on Scottish votes to be able to fucking form a minority government, essentially, then they'd have to be insane to give I'd, that away by holding the referendum. Even, so yeah, think, it's not happening. I don't even think that's relevant. I think genuinely at this point, um, the, the, the hard done by in Labour um, who who deserve those Scottish votes like unconditionally are now just <laughs> yeah. in revenge mode the same way they are with the left yeah. and will absolutely punish Scotland by not giving them a referendum like that's how it's going to be so it's, it's all fucked it doesn't matter it's a load of shite um, yeah Scotland should just hide the nukes <laughs> <laughs>
I'm the whole point I'm is that we don't that... we don't know where they are. We only know where one sub is at a time, like and they, they guard it pretty well. So I'm pretty sure that playing hide the nuke is a cast iron way to get tanks on Malone or Hollywood. To be honest, so oh okay, Let's, actually, uh... I'm on I'm on board. Tanks, more tanks. <laughs> Just like, is that so you could hijack one? No, no GCHQ, that's not what I would do. <laughs> David is just horny for tank. He says we're allowed to do horny on the pod, but that's just because David is horny for an inanimate it's, it's object. Just, it, no, and so he no, can I'm sneak sorry. it through. No, that's that's I fucking mean, tanks vile. aren't inanimate. Well they're not, that that's that is very true. The fucking um, touche. Yeah, alright, yeah. sure. Okay. I think you'll find it's actually yeah. a deep David's seated tank respect. Fetish justified. No, again, deep seated respect. With facts and logic. <laughs> alright, now that the Scott Bold door is shut and ran out of news nuggets let's do an article read shall we so rob before he went away on holiday sure? yeah i'm we sure we can't just clock off early no 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 <laughs> we can't no so rob before he fucked off on holiday decided that he would send me a cursed article to inflict on all of you so be oh, sure so when he gets back to pay him the appropriate respect hang on so our pod dad has fucked off to go on a skiing trip and has bought us all a gift to make us feel better while he's away right yeah, is that cheap, what's going on here the cheapest oven pizza in the shop yeah <laughs> you, you get to hoover the bees while he's away um <laughs> it's, it's more like the your teacher's gone on holiday but left you homework in, in much in the vein of all homework I go to school I'm not doing it <laughs> um from the desk of Tim Shipman I have oh, oh fuck's fuck sake fuck is he unbound <laughs> Oh no! Uh, it begins. Um, uh, can... Everyone, light, uh, light up your cigars to show that you're serious about journalism. Mm. Can Rishi Sunak's high wire act land him the top job? It's Tory <sighs> leadership speculation time. <laughs> Maybe you can go fuck yourself, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody Did we have number... to really go from fucking Scott Paul to like opining about the Tory leadership. Is that is that really what tonight is? Do uh, we have to do this? Yes, and I think you'll find that this is actually an improvement in quality of content over Scott Paul. Well, it wouldn't be fucking difficult. Can no, exactly. Be? Nobody in number 10 doubts he wants it, but the Chancellor is treading a fine line. He must appear loyal to the PM while preparing to take his place. Okay. When Boris Johnson gathered the new inner core of his team for an 8am meeting last week, there were just three others present. I find, I'm sorry, I find it I find it hard to believe that the fucking like, Tory front benches it, like, would be present, and it seems that that, that is borne out by uh, Shipman's own fucking article. Mm. Steve Barclay, the Downing Street Chief of Staff, Guto Hari, new Director of Communications, and Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor. Someone had supplied bacon rolls. Yes, it's this kind of article. Johnson tucked in enthusiastically, joined by Barclay and Harry. Sunak declined. You know what it is? It's one of it's one of the fucking it's one of the uh, the big like linguistic quirks of the British press. That like literally no cunt except for them and the Beano says tucks in (laughs) when they talk about people eating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I add that to them stonking, etc. Yeah. Uh, is is someone operating on the 2015 logic that if they're seen eating a bacon sandwich then they can't win the next election um, Sunak declined sparking memories of Ed Miliband fucking <laughs> 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 hell yeah, whose le- leadership of Labour never recovered from pictures of him wrestling with a bacon butty 
being Jeez, able I... to eat a bacon yeah, salmi. Uh, yeah, t- sorry, uh, t- Tim Shipman, not going to investigate why that might have been at all. Uh, curious, uh, hmm. Mr. Um, racism is, like, detector. Who would describe that as wrestling with as well? Do you know what I mean? He was eating the fucking thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, I could understand people not voting for him if he'd actually been, like, rolling around on the floor <laughs> trying to get it in a fucking headlock or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you ser- someone serves him a bacon sandwich and his instinct is to suplex him. <laughs> People would be like, yeah, that's a bit odd, that. But he was just shoveling it into his fucking gob, like, you yeah, know what I mean? I mean, just if he, if he took out, if he did take a photo, like, mid... You know how everyone looks like a fucking yeah, wanker oh, yeah. when you pause? Like, you take a video of someone and stop on any frame and they look like they're having a stroke. It's like, it's that. But they dressed it up in fucking anti-Semitic overtones because he's, oh, look, he's he's eating bacon, but he's obviously not used to eating bacon. Isn't he a liar? Kind of subtext yeah. to all of this kind of shit. Mm. I, yeah, no normal person would put on trunks and a cape and then come at that sandwich off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> Just Ed Miliband throwing his uh, elbow pad into the ring before he delivers the people's elbow well, honest, to it. Honestly, <laughs> if, if Ed Miliband had adopted a Luchador persona for that election, he would have got my vote. Oh, right, sorry, we're not rehabilitating Ed Miliband in any way, shape or form here. Oh being no, we're able, just rehabilitating Luchadors. Being able to eat a bacon salni is critical for your advancement prospects in the political arena, Harry said. Oh, laughed. Oh, fuck. I was joking when I said that earlier. Yes, yes. Welcome to the lathe, motherfucker. <laughs> it was a moment that just enca- give it back to Jamie when you're done with it <laughs> it was a moment that encapsulated the Chancellor's position a role in the inner circle his ambition to move higher an acknowledged fact but one not yet so threatening that it cannot be joked about when was the last time we had a Chancellor that like everyone like assumed was like didn't assume was just going to take over when the Prime Minister died or whatever isn't that what the Chancellor does I mean George lives next probably, door to be fair like George, George, is it Meredith Osborne? I mean, I, I don't know. Gideon, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Meredith, close enough. Yeah, near enough, yeah. <laughs> it contrasted the Prime Minister driven by grand appetites and his political gut with the slimmer, more ascetic Chancellor known for riding a peloton bike and fasting one day a week. Is that what he's known for, is it? I literally never heard that before in my fucking life, Tim. <laughs> Yeah, but this is just the insularity of the commentary, isn't it? They think mm-hmm. it's like when uh, what's his name, Tom, former Guido journalist. Newton Dunn. Oh, it might be that one. The, the one, who, one, the one who published an unapologetic Nazi propaganda. No, 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 the young one that used to be that is now bald. I can't remember his name, but he's the one. They're that all said, bald, yeah, really. The, but the one that said about the the Labour prick, who was a racist recently. I know I have to narrow that down a bit. <laughs> Neil Coyle, uh, oh, the one that right. said everyone knows that this is what he's like, and it's like, well, cheers for telling us, you cunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Monday marks the second anniversary of Sunak's appointment. Amid tensions over Johnson's attendance at lockdown-busting parties in Number 10, Sunak's public reluctance to provide unqualified support and claims from his cabinet colleagues that he is on manoeuvres. <laughs> it is a time to when the Chancellor is learning how to evolve from the man who doled out £400 billion on furlough and other coronavirus schemes into a politician focused on recovering the Tory reputation for fiscal discipline. Uh, Just was... total, a total manufactured pr- yeah. concept, that. So yeah. well, why the fuck not throw that in as well? Yeah, like fiscal discipline is obviously made up, but who was criticising him for doing the furlough thing? Tories. But, like, Tories used it as well. I mean, the Tory voters, at least. 
Yeah. yeah. They'll never Don't say they did, though. It. It's fine. Sunak's aides are comparing the disaster response to the Stone Roses first album, a high point that will be difficult oh, to top. I hate the prose of this. Yes, it's this really bad, a, isn't it? This is, this is painful, a chore to listen to. Like, it's so bad. Like, oh. You're supposed to leave the reviews on iTunes podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I'm a much bigger fan of Tim's earlier work, like when he was tweeting about Jenny Chapman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the one time he accidentally did a good thing. Yeah, right about that, Tim. Yeah, and then, then he disappeared them and replaced them with a more pliant clone. Uh, Furlough was one of the best global responses to the crisis, one close aide said. But it is a benchmark no one can ever meet again. <laughs> God, that's, that is that is a not a descriptive statement. That is a normative statement. Yeah. Uh, Everyone... You thought things might conceivably not get worse for a brief period of time. Well, good fucking luck ever letting that happen again. Yeah, they, they haven't included the massive sniff along with that fucking pure ideology on display there. Exactly. Like they're, they're not saying that we couldn't do it again. They're not saying it's, it's not feasible or we couldn't run a society in a way that looks after people in that way. What they're saying is we must not allow people to become dependent on the society that they are creating. Mm-hmm. For soon you'll regret its absence. Yeah, yeah, never yeah, yeah, yeah. do not become addicted to society. Um, <laughs> Sunak is very calm about this. Calmer, in fact. Immortal, Immortal Joe was actually quoting Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> Sunak is very calm about this. Calmer, in fact, than his team, but also conscious he has never had the space to really express himself. That last part's in quotes. He doesn't so. need a lot of space, to be fair. <laughs> Uh, the next few months, insiders say, are an opportunity to let Sunak be Sunak. An adaptation of a slogan oh, from the television oh, drama, The West, West Wing. West Wing shit in this. God damn these people. They do know oh. that was a fictional TV show, right? No, it it's just this fucking prion disease is what it fucking is. It's, it's, oh, don't get me wrong, right? It's fabulous propaganda. A really excellent, it's the deepest kind of propaganda you can possibly do, and wildly successful, but Jesus Christ, it also is incredibly tedious. It's up there with fucking Hamilton as just like absolute brain rot, will have you rolling your eyes in your sockets and mooing like a cow kind of shit the more you imbibe of it. And here it is, here it is in a fucking mad cow article about Rishi fucking Sunak yeah. possibly taking a run at being PM. Like, this is some kind of novel yeah. surprise. Read another book, watch another TV show, and see a different musical. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the way they invoke it is, it's as if they think it's a manual for success, as if it wasn't in the second or third season of that TV show, I think. And if they hadn't let him win that election on the TV show, they would have had had to replace the most popular character and absolutely tanked the series. Like, they don't think about the conditions of like, okay, we need to write him to win, so we'll keep him on the show. And they think, well, no, this is a really good example of how you can win elections. Rob is going to be fucking livid that we're talking about the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Chancellor will spell out his political philosophy at the end of the month when he gives the Mays Lecture at Cass Business School in London. Since 1978, it has been a rite of passage for chancellors. Geoffrey Howe 
Nigel Lawson, Ken Clark, Gordon Brown, Alistair Darling. The last Tory to give the lecture was George Osborne, a few months before he got the job. In it, Osborne bemoaned, the public finances are the worst they have ever been in peacetime. Sunak might be tempted to offer a hollow laugh at that. Okay. Um, can I just point out, that was pretty shortly after the 2008 financial collapse, the global financial collapse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, was it global? Things I are thought it was, now. it was entirely, entirely local and due to Gordon Brown. Mm, yeah, he spent all the puns, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was that sticky note. Fucking, yeah. Was it, <laughs> is that... What's his name? Liam. Liam Byrne. Liam Byrne. Yeah. Fucking the stupidest the cunts single, on earth that just keep getting rewarded the, the, with like candidacies again and again. I reckon that note. I reckon that note was something that every chancellor's done, like as a fucking hilarious bit when they leave office. <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they are honestly that no, no, uh, no, no one with an ounce of political intelligence would leave that note. It is. Like that, yeah. Note. So, like I was saying, I think it's been done by <laughs> Okay, fair, but that note is one of the single most destructive objects in modern history to ever have been penned. Um, I like, I mean, if you got a time machine that could only remove objects from the past and you had to pick things to remove, it would be that note and I don't know, the gun that Hitler used or something like that, just like in terms of altering the course of history. Wait, are you saying that it's a good thing to do that? Yeah, did you not want Hitler to shoot himself? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I believe that would be, it would have been be a ra- lot funnier to see him parade you through the streets alive. Yeah. Not for yes. long, but alive by the Red Army. That would have been yes. much better. Like, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Thank you. It would also, a, so we need, it so would also have removed the one good act that Hitler ever did from history. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to tell fascists to follow the leader. So, you know, it's impossible to say if it's good or bad. Okay, so actually, maybe maybe the note in the drawer of the treasury uh, is is perhaps actually the most uh, cursed object that we need to remove after all. Okay, you've convinced. All me. right, okay, <laughs> we will assign this to the SCP project. So, some will inevitably see this as the <laughs> chancellor setting out his stall for a leadership contest, where he sorry, would be likely sorry. to face off again. How many times? <laughs> sorry, just like the uh, just fucking Once the economy. The economy destroyer, you know, Keta designation, just like absolutely fantastic. It appears to be just a normal little note. However, we have noticed that when you put it in the hands of a Tory, it seems to destroy economies. There wasn't, <laughs> there actually wasn't enough redactions in that for it to feature on the SCP wiki. Um, some will inevitably see this as the Chancellor setting out his stall for a leadership contest where he would be likely to face off against Liz Truss, the Thatcherite Foreign Secretary. But it is also a platform. They really want to fucking say Liz Truss's name next to leadership as much as they can, don't they? But yeah, was, she's a uh, she's such a stalking horse. Who's yeah. missing? Who's but, missing from that Patel, fucking sentence, everyone? Patel. But what what is their definition for Thatcherite there as well? Uh, a, woman. a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this when, is when this t- is why we won't have them on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love the bit for this episode is that everyone apart from me is misogynist. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Okay, let's roll with it. Yeah, if you keep excusing um, yourself. You're still here. Hey, you're still no, Jordan Rick, jo- um, No, I'm trying to add balance to your horrible, hateful nah. incel views, David. Incel, uh, fucking hell, that escalated. Jesus Christ. But it is also Please, a platform. Please, David, a cell. <laughs> But Should it, I just get on Twitter and like at Chloe, see if she can come and save us? 
It's too late at this point. But it is also a platform for a politician who has been in top-level politics only for two years to define himself beyond the pandemic. He's been doing a lot of stuff under the bonnet of the economy, which is not retail politics or sexy, but is important, as Source Close to Sunak said. I mean, of course, he would say that. It's flattering to him. I mean, you know, in one sense, he has been given the oligarchs and oil change, so I guess it kind of follows. (laughs) I mean, the only reason he's under the bonnet is because he's small enough to get in. (laughs) (laughs) He can easily reach the parts of the engine. He didn't actually lift the bonnet, he just walked straight under the front of the car without lifting it up. No, he's like one of those stoats in Germany that eat car engines. God, you're going to have to put in a link for that one. Oh, oh that's the episode art sorted. Yeah. Carry on. His team point to incentive schemes he has introduced to encourage research and development. One gives businesses a 50% discount on accounting and other software to help them improve their productivity. In his most recent what? news conference, Sunak said, I want a high-wage economy. The right way to get I there s- is to drive up productivity. The best way to get that productivity increase is to have businesses invest. Does right, anyone so- else remember when uh, Rishi Sunak did the fucking eat, eat out to help out bullshit? And it was, yeah. uh, there was like a very thorough paper that indicated that that was instrumental in like massively ramping up the size of the second wave yes. it's, it's really good it's really good that we've got a chancellor like this who's uh essentially being like groomed okay. for the leaders his of finger power. is on Let's, the uh, fading le- pulse yes okay. <laughs> so i want to i want to do a little cut through real talk for a second for the listener right um this guy's an absolute fucking moron and here's how right we want a high wage economy okay i'm listening to do this we're going to drive up productivity what is productivity when you really get down to it. It's the amount of work that a person does in a day. Yeah. The more productive you are, the more work you can do. The more work an individual person can do, the more people you... Uh, sorry, the less people you need to employ, right? Because if you've got three people that are doing the work of what used to take five people, those three people are more productive. That's how it works. This is why, by the way, if you go look on YouTube at videos of, like, the McDonald's during the Olympics back in the, like, 1970s, 1980s, there's, like, tons of people. There's, like, 50 people working in a McDonald's to do orders because we don't have computers, right? They're not as productive. It takes more people to do the same work. Those people are now all gone. They are jobless. They have been cut. And ideally, in some mystical meritocracy, it's meant to be that as things become more productive, the wealth that gets generated, because remember, you've got less people doing more work. Do you pay them more? No. No, you don't. You don't pay them more. Why would you? That becomes pure profit. And there's this idea about by getting businesses to invest in what? In what? I was about in to wages? Ask. <laughs> Investing in wages? Is, are you going to get them to invest in wages? Then why the push for the productivity? Is the idea that you're going to increase productivity and increase wages to match? Then I've got a fucking graph for you, mate. Um, th- this is Sunak is, you know, he's talking complete bollocks, right? And it's highly ideological bollocks. Can I, can I that's, surprise that, you? That's what it really is. With how much of a fucking idiot he is. Go oh, on. Can I, can well, I, no, you, pro- you probably can't, but go ahead. Can I just ask, what does accounting software and telling businesses to invest have to do with research and development, which was what that whole thing was about. Yes. Oh, no, it's, research, it's researching and developing new ways for the 
treasury to you know do numbers fucksteens is what I took from it, right, David? Uh, well, well, actually, funny thing here is that they're completely fucking unrelated. But the, the real thing here is that that um, that fifty percent discount thing is absolutely a, a panicked response to the fact that they are pushing like the requirement to do taxes in a very specific way that requires accounting software. Um, and you can't just like do spreadsheets and shit like that. So that's that's so, exactly so, what oh. that is. It's a sop to voters um, to put off the mm. whole making tax digital thing that they're doing. Wait, so what they're doing is making you basically have to pay for yes. tax software and then saying, we're making you have to pay for this, but we're doing you a favour and making it half as expensive. Yes. But like 50% is still 50% higher than 0%. But it's not 100%, and that's what really matters. But if you're never going to pay like 100%, a, it is also 100% higher. Is this a push to, like, Americanize the tax system, where it's just, like, so fucking insanely complicated you have to pay someone to do it? I mean, yeah. that that is also part of it. Those people that get paid to do it then lobby to have it made even more complicated so that, like, normies can't figure it out you know what I mean I don't know I mean from any accountants I've ever spoken to they basically fucking hate how complicated and annoying it is at the moment already so who knows but that might just be the British work ethic shown through of I fucking hate working <laughs> um, I was Dominic Rabe that said we're the worst nation of idlers weren't it because I include the accountants <laughs> so Sunak is also an enthusiast for small business bosses to do MBA style management courses an small area. business tyrants, small yeah. business tyrants. We love them, folks. Now, now, listener, that was MBA, not NBA. He's not <laughs> sending small business tyrants to do dunks. No, no. Um, for they should be dunked upon. Uh, an area <laughs> where he thinks Britain is behind in its competitors, uh, behind to its competitors. Sorry, aides say this is the business influence he picked up at Stanford University in California, mm. where he did an MBA and met his wife. Akshata Murthy, daughter of an Indian IT billionaire. They have two daughters, and here's their fucking names for some reason. Um, <laughs> but is, right, so yeah. no you, point you is there too, an invest. You two could do an MBA and get married to a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. That's like that. No point in there is some intellectual curiosity of like how he's become the Chancellor of the Exchequer between marrying a billionaire's daughter yeah i think this i think this article is basically it's not for us it's basically targeted at a certain class of people going look he's one of our guys and he can pull the wool over the general public's eyes just as easily as like the well, next guy so i i think actually what you'll find is this is an attempt to de-brown him for times readers because uh, yeah reading Shit, this specifically right. here hell. yeah reading this here okay i'm looking at it and the, the layout of this part is fucking beautiful. So the, there is a picture of him with a puppy on his lap, right? Uh -huh. And right next to it, it has this, his immigrant parents, a GP and a pharmacist, you know, useful jobs, the good ones, instilled a work ethic and a love of family. We love a work ethic and a love of family, don't we? Sunak works long hours, typically 7.30 a.m. until 11 p.m., but carves out time Ooh. for his daughters. He's a workaholic, but he's still a family man. There's work Rishi and dad Rishi, and Aid said. He's totally different around his kids. They are oh, totally the love of his life. Is. They're children. He's not telling them to fill out some fucking Excel spreadsheets, is he? 
yeah, yeah, well, no if, I, if I ever had kids, I'd always uh, tell them to have a good financial quarter, and I expect to see them first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong, right? So Winnie's, you know, at home, he's like, oh, hello, and did you have a good day? And what did you get up to? And how productive were you? And then when he's at work, he's like, here comes a big GDP airplane. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's working for Boris Johnson, so. Exactly, right. <laughs> Friends say the Stanford connection is one of two places which has modified his conventional upper middle class upbringing. Yeah. Um, brackets, he was educated at Winchester College. Yeah, yeah, you know what you called it, right, David? Yeah. This is this is attempting to go right. The racism shouldn't apply to him. Yes, yes. Uh, the other is North Yorkshire, where he took over the Richmond seat from William Hague in 2015. Sunak drinks exclusively Yorkshire tea. Is a, oh my god! Is a de- is a devotee of the pork and apple pie from Kitson and Sons Butchers in North Allerton, and has picked up several verbal ticks from his adopted oh. home. <laughs> wait, mm, do you know what? I around think... wait, 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 around number eleven. He is often heard to say "now then," which should be a dangerous phrase for anyone in politics at the moment, and. Jobs are good. <laughs> Get a load of how Muslim this guy isn't. Holy shit! I was just about to say, Alistair. Like they mentioned earlier, how he wasn't eating the bacon sandwich, but they did have to force in, like, yeah, he is brown, but he's not one of those ones. Yeah, I, I genuinely like. I, I work for Northern Independence Party, so, uh, so there's like comments I want to make here about Yorkshire tea, etc., which I think I contractually am not allowed to say. But fuck this guy. Yeah, just like no, you don't, you don't get to do that. Despite, no, fuck off. Despite his recent eminence, he happily jokes that he is still in Hague's shadow. Sunak tells against himself the story of a recent dinner for another MP, where the constituency chairman called him the biggest draw they had in years. <laughs> so I, people... I just got, every time they call him the biggest something. I just... know. <laughs> the location of Sunak's seat means he also spends a lot of time in the neighbouring Teesside Red Wall constituencies, which have, be, which have taken on totemic significance after voting Tory in 2019, and whose MPs would be <laughs> bellwethers in a leadership contest. Oh, uh, Tim Shipman, are you, are you going to investigate at all why the fuck these uh, like arbitrarily named Red Wall seats are why they are, are called Red Wall seats? Or are we just going to just no, describe the, no. the inherent significance that uh, we have just given them for no fucking yeah. reason? Yeah, no, we're actually just going to talk more about Rishi Sunak. The Sunaks go to the cinema in Darlington and he and his daughters <laughs> use a clip and climb indoor climbing wall at the weekends in Stockton. This is relevant to politics. Ben Houchin, the mayor of Teesside, calls him a Northern Chancellor. I think I just fucking... I, I exited my body. I entered a dimension of infinite and endless pain. I saw time pass before me. Are you looking at Nexus me. mods again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's a special kind of sadomasochism. This is just unending, ceaseless torment. Fucking hell. Well, it's fine. We seem, to be off, we seem to be off the northern part now. Oh. Johnson and <laughs> Sunak are undeniably different political beasts. Look, see, Dave, I'm sorry, David, but I don't know if he's northern if he's not from Birmingham, because as far as I'm aware, you can only be northern <laughs> if you're from Birmingham. That, that so... well, it depends. It depends, really. Well, it's, it basically goes Birmingham, 
a void and then Scotland. So that that's pretty much how it works as far as I'm aware if you're a Tory, so something something Watford Gap. We should just ask yep. the expert Helen Pitt. <laughs> Helen Pierce on this podcast. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm very sorry for that one. She also tell us if he's working class. Yeah, how many how many pizza restaurants does he own? <laughs> Johnson and Sunak are undeniably different political beasts. The one driven by his heart, the other by his head. Yeah, I think you'll find that Johnson is a stone type versus. Oh. <laughs> I, like, I like I like the allegory to the uh, fucking um, Wizard of Oz, where the problem with both of those people is that they have neither of those things. Mm. Mm. One who sets a broad direction, the other a details man. During the pandemic, Sunak's party trick, sorry, what, <laughs> um, was challenging the scientists by questioning the mathematical assumptions and their modelling. Rishi makes me feel God. stupid, said one fellow this... cabinet minister who somehow was <laughs> made to feel must, stupid that, by this those guy. Those must have been some fucking riotous party. <laughs> I know, right? You know what I mean? If that's the kind of trick he's doing. Yeah, those pictures of all sitting around having drinks in the garden, they're like guffawing at Rishi Sunak, you know, tearing apart the COVID modelling of this poor scientist who's sitting there staring daggers and going, you don't know what fucking thing you're talking about, mate. Holy yep, shit, he made this right. table pivot. <laughs> He, the rest of them struggle with rotate PDF. He can pivot table. Yeah, uh, yeah, like he, prime minister material right there. Exactly, Rishi. He can chair a meeting. I'm, he can use a spreadsheet. Honest, I'm, I'm, I'm yearning for spreadsheet, Phil. He sounds like a guy <laughs> knows his way around a, a macro. Mm. Rishi makes me feel stupid," said one fellow cabinet minister, <laughs> while absolutely not wanting to make me feel stupid. So he's a failure then on a social level, surely. <laughs> <laughs> the Prime Minister is suspicious of his Chancellor. When a number 10 aide once said to Johnson that it was good he had talented young lions in his cabinet, Johnson's eyes narrowed and he said, I want tired old lions. And yet the two have a mutual respect, recognising that the other is good at things they are not. Boris often calls him before he does a broadcast clip to check the details, said one who knows both men. Well, that sounds like a load of horseshit. Rishi will call Boris before his for the best way of phrasing things. Um, I mean, the, the one thing about fucking Boris Johnson is that he's got about four fucking anecdotes that he, he repeats at every single fucking opportunity. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's famously fucking boorish. It's also stupid, right? I'm telling you, they both have their spads that they turn to for lines and all the rest yeah. of it. That's how it works. Yeah. They speak one-on-one -on -one several times a day. Their most acute disagreements are in private. The Chancellor despairs of the chaos that reigns next door and blames it for the mess Johnson has now got into. He couldn't operate like that. He couldn't run meetings like that, said one familiar with Sunak's thinking. But he knows it usually works for Boris. Not now. One cabinet colleague of Sunak said Johnson's decision to attack Sir Keir Starmer over the failure to prosecute Jimmy Savile was profoundly stupid, and there is little reason to think the Chancellor would disagree. Being honest, oh I wouldn't God. have said it was as far as he went in public. Real fucking Kremlinology shit here, isn't it? Yeah. Just fucking hell. Like, it was objectively not stupid for Boris is the annoying thing. I mean, it was unethical and... You can say what you want about it, but stupid? I don't think so. It got exactly what Boris wanted to happen. Yes. Yes. It was actually an incredibly effective fucking use of time on ill. Well, there have been reports that Sunak has considered resignation, it was not over Partygate. In number 10, 
The closest they think the Chancellor came to jumping was when scientists were pressing Johnson to lock down again before Christmas. I mean, that's just a, that's just a fucking political, like, you know, manoeuvre, stunt, however you want to phrase it. It's not mm-hmm. sort of a, a point of principle, because it never is with these people. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, wherever the fuck um, like his chief policy writer or whatever who resigned because of party gay doesn't give a shit about like the you know the betrayal of the public's trust or anything like that it's just political maneuvers and the fact that tim shipman is just repeating completely un essentially unaltered uh uncritically even unexamined uh, yeah like why that would have been the case it's just pretty much stenography at this point which is not entirely surprising from tim shipman but you know yeah mm-hmm and number 10, the closest they think the Chancellor came to jumping was when the scientists were pressing Johnson to lock down again before Christmas. Sunak was in California, where he has a home, and was up in the small hours calling Johnson directly to say he could not support such a move. Rishi knew the rest of the cabinet would back him, a source said. One Downing Street official said, Sunak and Lord Frost, the former Brexit minister, were the two who really swayed Boris. I love for people making decisions about the health of this country to be chilling out in California. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yep. There remain tensions with Johnson on economic policy. Since last summer, Sunak has insisted that if Johnson wants to spend, he would have to find the money from somewhere other than borrowing. I mean, just racking up another fat line of that ideology right there. Yeah. That meant when Johnson wanted £12 billion to reform social care in July last year, he had to agree to the rise in national insurance. Both sides blamed the other for the rise, since Sunak would not have spent the money and Johnson would have preferred to just borrow. With his premiership in crisis, the Prime Minister hinted to MPs he might ditch the national insurance rise. Sunak spoke privately to Johnson, making clear that reneging on it would make it much more difficult to cut income tax before the next general election. His single focus now is on cutting taxes for people as soon as possible, and he'd said. It really is just fucking staggering. Like, just no indication of what increasing national insurance contributions does versus cutting income tax does uh, and who that affects. Just just stating that matter-of-factly, I mean... (sighs) I know he loves his fucking typewriter, but, like, come on, man. Can you not, like, engage your brain just slightly and think about the things that are being said and done? No? Never mind. The next test of their relationship will come if Johnson has served a fixed penalty notice for breaking his own lockdown rules. That is the most fucking cringy sentence I've read in this whole fucking thing yet. No, it's just like, it's just like, oh, fixed penalty notice, that'll bring the government down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would be the most fucking British way of doing it, wouldn't it? I just, just, yo, don't worry, the curtain twitchers are going to put an ASBO on Johnson and it'll be out at number 10. Like, (laughs) yeah, they'll just raise VAT to pay for it. (laughs) They're putting that up so that they can pay for uh, Prince Andrew's uh, settlement. (laughs) So I'd love to see Boris Johnson wriggle his way out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, never thought <laughs> Jordan. Privately, many members of the cabinet say he would have to resign, but Johnson and his aides have made clear he will not go willingly. <laughs> what if he just doesn't? <laughs> yes. What then, motherfuckers? It has been speculated that Johnson has sought to buy Sunak's loyalty now on a promise of his backing for the leadership later. 
Officials in 10... We know how this one fucking ends, don't we? Jesus Christ. Officials mm. in 10 and 11 Downing Street do not buy this. It is not in Johnson's nature to openly discuss his demise, nor in Sunak's to, to believe such a pledge. But only two people know for sure. They have a lot of discussion, which Rishi never shares with us, one of his Treasury team said, yet we'll comment on it a lot in the Times. <laughs> While he cannot be seen to plunge in the knife, with Johnson's position still in peril, Sunak does not have the luxury of not preparing for a potential leadership contest. Fucking hell, shippers, come on. As frontrunner... That's really just like, in terms of writing, that is barely legible. Yeah. This has not been by an editor. It can't have been by an editor. Yeah. It is unbound, though, James, so you have to take that into consideration. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't bind Tim Shipman. It's just impossible. No, you, you can. Like, he was bound that one time after the Jenny Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot bind him except by a legal uh, court injunction. <laughs> As frontrunner, he would have to hit the ground running. Truss plans oh. to campaign for the leadership by pledging to axe the Rishi tax on national insurance. Oh my Sunak God. would stress that it was he who had to make all the big decisions during the pandemic, and that it was he, not her, who was a conviction Brexiteer who supported the Leave campaign. Some allies are confident Sunak could beat Truss. They are more concerned about a compromise candidate catching light during the campaign, mm -hmm. such as... Nadim Zahawi. No. no yep. <laughs> a stalking horse for a stalking horse. Yeah, Liz Truss winning would be the f most fucking banter outcome, though, so I'm fully certain that that was what's going to happen. No. Oh, I'm sorry, but fascism always seems to beat banter. Sorry, all around Sunak think he would do a good job as Prime Minister. Their only doubts surround his willingness to be ruthless in pursuit of the job. He is only focused on being Chancellor, his spokeswoman said. I mean, you would say that, but okay. Yeah. Some friends worry he is too slight in stature. That <laughs> 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 uh, his personal wealth would become a target, or that he can get too emotional about politics. That's just small man syndrome. I, I mean, you know, that that's fair. I can see Keir Starmer going after Rishi Sunak for his wealth. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, 100%. That's that firebrand socialist Starmer will be right in on that. Oh, Keir Starmer saying, I'm sorry, but the, the, the gentleman opposite is far too good with money to be Prime Minister. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, he's not, he's hardly going to go after Rishi Sunak for his height either, because Starmer's only like 5'8". <laughs> I never knew that. There was some fucking... I never knew that. Are you kidding me? No, I never knew that Starmer was 5'8". That's tiny. fantastic. Yeah. Rishi's 5'7 and Starmer's 5'8. And it's like, oh, they're uh, really oh. worried about Rishi's height on this one. Yeah, Fucking there was, ruled by giants. Yeah, there was some uh, vestigial bowtie Labour nerd saying that that's why they favoured their chances against Sunak. Yeah. It's like, the taller candidate tends to win. And it's like, motherfucker, are you actually for real right now? Oh, let's be fair, John McDonald's oh. also like a manlet. <laughs> Yeah, but he's good, What's so, you know. Sorry, yeah. what height is John McDonnell? He's, he's, I'd say, like, under 5'9", I would say. I don't know wow. his exact, exact height, but I have met I, him. I'm Googling it now, I need to know. Oh, it's not online, I've looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> what, what height is Corbyn? Corbyn's, I think, like 5'10", or something. Giant, yeah, feet tall. yeah, he's about height of me, yeah. <laughs> if he won, he would run a very different government from Johnson. 
But to Bullshit. win, he might need to the ruthlessness embodied by his boss. Politics mm -hmm. is a dirty business, said one Tory veteran of two other leadership campaigns. <laughs> this is why you read the Times for the real fucking <laughs> insightful stuff. Yeah. What everyone agrees is that Sunak is a quick learner. On Friday, he took his team out to lunch at the Blue Boar restaurant in Westminster. The Chancellor's <laughs> choice, a club sandwich stuffed with bacon. Ugh. <sighs> what? Yes, that was the article, that's how it ends. That, 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 yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Because it's supposed to show character growth. Yeah, but like, <laughs> at the start it's... of the article, he would need a bacon sandwich, but by the end, he's learned to love himself or some <laughs> shit. Sorry, it's uh, no, 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 no. It's it's like going like Ed, you know, Ed Ed Miliband couldn't eat a bacon sandwich, but here we have Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak is getting ready. He's eating a bacon sandwich already. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> Oh God! So yeah, that that was um that was the quality of journalism from Tim Shipman and the Times. If anyone wanted to start throwing money at them for a subscription, just keep go back to writing tweets about Keystone's personal life. Yeah, yeah, you, you were actually appreciated <laughs> at one point, Tim. Like, go back to the thing that you were good at. Doing a journalism? No, wait, hang on. Uh, can't do one of those. What can I do instead? Stenography, that's in fashion. To do another mm. Aaron Sorkinism, he reported the news. Oh. The goddamn news. Oh. You're a goddamn journalist, Shipman, and don't you let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> Especially the boys. Oh, fuck. I mean, I just, like, we, we know how this is going, right? It's, it's Rishi versus Truss, and Truss is a stalking horse, almost certainly for Patel, yep. right? Yep, 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 yep. Whether or not Trust knows that, like, probably not, but, like, that's what she is. 100%. Because there's no fucking person wants Trust. No no one, no Tory is stupid enough to want Trust. Imagine the really. concept of being able to vote for your own boss. Now imagine the most annoying, stupid fucker in the office is running for that position. Would you vote for them? Would you fuck? Absolutely not. Ah, but she went, she went to Moscow and wore a big hat. <laughs> yeah, and got called a fucking moron. Like doesn't in matter. There's photos, there's photos of her with a big hat on, yeah. like just like Thatcher. And, and that, we'll that might honestly clinch it for some of the fucking dipshits in the Tory party. Well, they did say, like some of them did fucking say this, and I'm sorry, guys, for how cursed this is. They did say when Theresa May was getting a job, they said that some of the the older Tories were like, "Mummy's back." Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. don't be wrong. There's, there's, there's pictures of trust and and the, the the Russian Thatcher shit, and then there's like pictures of trust on the tank. But the minute that we get the pictures of Pretty Patel on a fucking Coast Guard boat brandishing an SE eighty, that's a totally different fucking matter. Honestly, Patel is going to do a, a a boat photo shoot at some 100%. point. I'm almost certain. Of yeah, it. yeah, absolutely, definitely. So yeah, um, thoughts abound from the 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 the, the political classes on thoughts what will happen next thoughts unbound <laughs> yeah um like th this little fucking game of like will they won't they etc is going to happen for a while and we should just kind of get used to the fact that it's going to be a thing for a little while uh they they won't really at this point stop because they're a dog web bone now and this is just what they do this is just what the journalists and the commentary app will fucking latch on to for the foreseeable so I mean, you called yeah, this criminology, David, and yeah, you called this criminology, and it is kind of criminology. Just there's no there's no way around it. Mm. They're basically 
palace fucking intrigue, yep. essentially, as a substitute for real political or material issues. Yep, yep. And obviously, you could you could maybe surmise that well now that now that COVID's over, like that that's done, um, we can get back to the normal politics. This is the normal politics. Trying to start a war with Russia. Yeah. Well, no, that's fucked. Like they'll they'll need to find something else. So, like, you know, let's let's just worry, see when, how this pans out. When whenever Russia does does anything else like this in future, we can just fucking rattle those sabers again. They ain't going anywhere. Okay, it'll be it'll be French like, fishermen violating our fucking waters or something next week. Like that's we'll just back to the usual fucking uh, low state shit. To be honest, at this point, maybe China should just inherit the entire fucking earth. Frankly, like at least they they seem to have some competence in their actual governance and their ability to attempt to do things. Not like actually do things because I won't claim they're like perfectly functional or anything. But at least they're trying shit. You know, at least they're taking seriously the body politic. Well, yeah, this is just like if you're going to do capitalism, like you can make it last longer if you regulate it. It will take longer to kill itself if you regulate it. Like, and and they're quite good at that. Whereas we are just like, yeah, yeah fuck it, let the market flow. Anyway, the thing that I'll do is, uh, Jordan, would you like to? Would you like to plug? Yeah, you can follow. Uh, the podcast I'm on on Twitter at Comradio UK on Twitter. You can find us everywhere, basically. You cannot find... You cannot escape. You cannot find our merch store because, well, for the same reasons you cannot currently find the podcast's <laughs> Praxis merch store. Uh, but you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Comradio. Hang on, Jordan, are you saying that these Comradio NFTs I've got are worthless now? They were always worthless, James. <laughs> All my com radio's gone. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, you can you can find us on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. When it comes to the merch stuff, uh, we will have a merch store. It is in the process, it's just we haven't quite got around to finishing it yet. So at some point in the near future, keep an eye out for that and you can once again purchase normal island t shirts. And you did also get immediately banned when you tried to start a new store. We be dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're Jamie, Jamie to send in a DNA sample or some shit, so they'll unban him. Well, he yeah. didn't have to. We just kept on sending envelopes full of shit. <laughs> so I'll yeah. stop when you unban us. <laughs> yeah, clearly my reputation proceeds. Man. Yeah, and we will be back to streaming. I think still definitely Thursdays and Mondays will be on again from. Uh, back to Mondays as usual are back from the 28th excellent so one, one week without a Monday now um, and then we're, we're back also, to full time also I'm going to announce this now listener the time is coming I am going to usurp the stream and it will be a few days of solid pure goblin mode for Elden Ring so strap in for that one. <laughs> Watch James just descend into the depths of human depravity. I just want to say to the listeners, they can also follow Ale underscore Collective on Twitter and go to alternativeleftentertainment.org for the lefty multimedia collective we're all a part of. Thank fuck, yeah, thank fuck someone remembers to plug that because I never remember to plug that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely do that. Um, check, check, check us out, check them out, check everyone else that's on it out. There's a lot of good people there and it is still expanding at this point with more and more people that you probably know and some that you won't know. So yeah, get stuck in there and I think that'll do it from us. So we will catch you all next week. All right, I'm hey. off back to the orgy. You coming, David? <laughs> Constantly. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya. See ya.